0: welcome back to our podcast we're nearing the end of our first season so if you're
1: still listening congratulations We're so glad that you've stayed with us for all of these weeks. Jimmy, you may remember our first episode. We said that, you know, nobody may listen to these, but at least we know our moms 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 are tuning in. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Love you, mom. Hope you're doing well. Hey, we need to come up with Mrs. Wright. Love you too. Absolutely. We love all the moms out there. But, Jimmy, you know, we we talk about the people who are still listening today. We need to come up with like a gold star system, you know, and maybe just give them some kind of just wonderful treat to South Florida or something. No question about it at least give them a t-shirt. Hey, besides our moms, we
0: also have one other very special, special uh, listener. She's been with us from the beginning on our podcast, and today she's actually joining us live in studio. So welcome to Leslie Bennett, our communications director at Family Church and the person who's helping us with today's topic, which is the first in a four-part series that we're calling building a new church culture, not new church programs. And so we're going to talk about messaging. And Leslie, messaging is what you do. It is your area of expertise. And you've been such a great contributor to our messaging here at Family Church.
2: Well, thanks, Jimmy. It's great to be here. It's great to be a part of the team. You know that I love working with both of you. And I think now our listeners kind of have an idea of what that looks like. Yeah. So they might want to send flowers or... Yeah, they should send you
0: flowers. Yeah, all listeners, send them to Family Church. (laughs) Leslie Bennett,
1: we'll make sure she gets the
2: flowers.
0: Leslie,
1: you have a very difficult job. That is true. You know, I think we all feel that way. I think we all feel honored to be here. And, you know, I'm really excited about this series because it's really part of the Family Church secret sauce. And Leslie, I honestly feel like you are a godsend. You really help make our messaging uh, precise and it really has a razor's edge to it when when it's actually gone through your filter. And so you help us so much. You're one of the greatest leaders really on our team. And you really help us create this common language. And Jimmy, you know, back to you, I just, I'm just thinking about when we talk about church programming and why it's so important, because a lot of people, when they come down here, they're really wanting to talk about programs But we always press into them hard about culture.
0: Well, we just know that culture is the most important thing. You are right, Steve. Every time I have a conversation with a pastor or, uh, you know, they bring church staffs in here to talk to us at Family Church, they always want to know specifically, what is the program? What is the program? What do you do? What's the curriculum? And honestly, it almost doesn't matter (laughs) because what matters more than anything is the culture that you're building. We believe that culture will define the success of what any church is doing, not only here at Family Church, but anybody listening to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Churches of any size have to create and nurture and cultivate a culture that will define who they are and what they're doing. Here's the deal. Good culture will beat bad programs every single time. And bad culture will destroy good programs good. every single time. I like to say that culture will eat programs for breakfast.
2: That's a quotable quote right there, isn't it? I think so. i put that out on a tweet or something. But I couldn't agree more. And I, when we started talking about how we're going to wrap up season one, and we talked about building the church culture instead of church programs, I thought it was such a great idea, and we talked about how we're going to break that down. And so we're going to break it down on um, this episode, messaging, then we're going to talk about meetings and metrics and membership. Okay. So we really have to come up with M's because we yeah. be Adrian, would be Adrian yeah. Rogers would be
0: proud. Adrian Rogers <laughs> would be proud, no doubt. We have
2: to prove that we were good Baptists, so that's what we're going to do and today focus on messaging.
0: Well, that's right, because uh, by messaging, we're really talking about how we talk about Uh, what we're doing. And one of the things that's important to me in terms of leading family church, and I I would just just lay this before all of our listeners at church for the rest of us, we like to talk about preaching to lead. Preaching to lead is crucial. As preachers, we like to focus on teaching the Bible, which is important. Mm -hmm. Teaching the Bible is one of our core values here at family church. But you know, I think a lot of pastors really miss this because a lot of pastors preach to preach as if their sermon was a work of art. They're going to create it, step back and look at it
1: instead of preaching to lead. Well, Jimmy, you always tell a story and and help us with context. So, you know, when when you think about in the in the New Testament, when. Uh, these churches had to choose a pastor. Yeah, that's right. A lot of times we see it through our lens. We can't help but see it through our lens. (laughs) And so we just think about, you know, whatever the means are that, you know, churches, you know, search committees and just all of these different ways that they do it, you know, online, pastorsearch.com, whatever it is. But you've really kind of the first time you preached that, you know, we were at Metro when I heard you share that story. Uh, Yeah, that was years ago. Yeah. Why don't you share that? Because I think it'll help our listeners. Well,
0: Here's the thing. If, if somebody is going to look for a pastor today, and Leslie, you've been a part of a pastor search committee yep. before. So uh, if if somebody's going to going to look for a pastor today, a church looking for a pastor, they're going to form a committee. The committee's going to get together. They're going to pray. They're going to fast. Uh, they're going to get advice from church leaders, other places. They're going to probably create some kind of a pastor profile, what they're looking for. And then they're going to begin a search, whether they use a search firm or do it themselves. And they're going to go on the internet and listen to tons of sermons. They may get on a plane or get in the car and go actually visit churches to make sure that the atmosphere at these churches is what they would want replicated in their own church. Ultimately they're gonna choose a pastor to go after. And when they do, they're going to make a secret phone call. Somehow they're gonna acquire his right. information. They're gonna surreptitiously <laughs> very call secret. him. Secret. Yeah, very secret. secret. Yeah, you're gonna go to the churches and sit in different Sneak sections. Up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's a real, it's a real special forces operation. And they're gonna call them and they're gonna say, hey, listen, so we're We're from so-and-so church. Uh, We really have been watching you, and, and we've had you recommended to us. We want to talk to you about becoming our pastor. And then this guy says, I'll pray about it. He talks to his wife and his family. They pray about it. Comes back, yes. Well, over a series of meetings and back and forth and interviews and visits, you guys decide, yes, he wants to be your pastor. Yes, you want him to be your pastor. And you kind of strike a deal. And what you had to do to strike the deal is find out, well, how much was he making? We need to make sure we pay him probably a little bit more than that. And we need to check his health insurance and where is he going to live and figure all of that out. And then we get all that settled. Then he goes back to his church. And What does he have to do? (laughs) He gets up, he preaches that sermon. And at the end of the sermon, he says, now, look, it's been a great three-year run here at First Baptist, you know, Mount Pitska. And I love you guys. And God's taught me so much, but- the Lord is calling us to a new opportunity, and He that's where the famous
1: that's where the famous line is. I don't know how I'm going to get by without you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, starting to start, I'm Starting tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> and so he leaves. And then what does that church do?
0: Immediately they form uh, a. Search, Search committee. committee who does the same process and it kind of kicks the can all the way down the road. This thing could ripple out for three or four years while success while you know uh, a succession of smaller and smaller churches become pastorless. Right, and uh, that's the way that we do it. well. Go back to, let's just go back to the New Testament and you look at the book of 1 Timothy. St. Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, and he says, look, Timothy, you guys are going to have to get some more pastors, some more overseers for the churches that are developing in and around the city of Ephesus where Timothy was. And Paul says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find some men that look like this. And he lays out all of these qualifications. His first qualification is 1 Timothy 3, one is if anyone desires hmm. the work of an overseer, then that's a good work he desires to do. So you got to find some men who want to be pastors. But then if they, if they agree to be pastors, you got to say, well, are they, are they above reproach? Is their marriage in good shape? Are they sober-minded? Are they under control in terms of their emotions and their words? Are they respected inside the church and outside the church? Do they welcome people into their home? Are they, uh, do they drink too much? Do they fight too much? Uh, do they love money too much? Are they too greedy? And then it has this one little phrase, are they able to teach? And what they would do, Back in those days, they didn't have a search committee. They didn't have, the church wasn't developed enough to where they'd take a secret trip over to Philippi and check out the pastor over there. They had to get the men in a room who were in the church, the men in that village, the men in that town, get them in a room. There's 15, 20, 30 men, and they'd have to say, okay, guys, here's the letter from Paul. One of us is going to have to be the pastor. Paul can't do it anymore. Timothy can't do it anymore. We've got to get our own pastor well, who's it going to be? They would read this list of qualifications and they would say, it's one of us. And everybody in the room would probably turn to one or two guys and say, well, it's obvious it ought to be one of these two guys. And why? Because one of these two guys is able to fulfill these qualifications Hmm. the best. And here's the thing. It's about character. It's demonstrated in family life. It's about values. It's about reputation. And then there's this one little phrase able to teach. And I think in our current church uh, kind of culture, we flipped everything on its head and we've made his pulpit presence, the number one thing. And when you really
1: look at the qualifications in the Bible, that's only a part of the picture well Jimmy when we're talking about building a new church culture obviously it's very important because culture begins with the leader mm-hmm. and you know when you think about in our scenario here in our context here with family church we have nine campuses we're soon to have 11 uh, explain to our listeners how how do we actually build culture through the pulpit and across all of our campuses well we have live preaching at all of our campuses so we don't show one guy
0: on video and by the way we're not opposed to churches who do that. We don't have a theological, philosophical, or methodological problem with that. It's a very successful way. We don't do to it. Because lead a church we probably couldn't do it. We don't do it cuz we don't <laughs> have good <laughs> enough video equipment, right? <laughs> so, we're church for the rest of us, exactly. right? We can so
2: that.
0: Well, yeah. And if I start preaching as good as Andy Stanley, we'll consider it, right, but right. I haven't I haven't yeah. gotten around to that yet. We have live preaching, and what we do is we meet regularly together weekly to develop our sermon outlines, but we also meet frequently throughout the year to develop our strategy for our preaching. And in our preaching meetings, I'm always looking for opportunities to train and encourage and coach our preachers to make sure that when they stand in the pulpit, they are preaching to lead. Mm
2: And one of the things, I mean, I think even before I started, we had already developed our mission and our core values. That's right. And our vision has developed as we've you know, planted this network of neighborhood churches. But we always try to incorporate, if we can, our mission, our vision, yes. our core values. Um, I think you guys are really good about doing that. And another thing we've done is develop some scripts that we use in all of our yeah. services. That's something that our communications team has helped with. So basically each week, we put out to our team a welcome script, an announcement and offering script, and a next step script on a card. So each week we send that out to them that they can use as a guide. Mm-hmm. We're not asking them to memorize it. It's not you know, word for word. It's just a general talking guide. Talking points that incorporate some of our common language so that we know that at all, all of our campuses, every single week, people are hearing generally the same tone, the same explanations the same way that we want to express things yes. about the welcome and people who are welcome to be there, the things that we want to say about the offering and how we want to put that together. Um, so it gives us common language.
1: Well, Leslie, you're exactly right about that. We have gotten better at it, but the reason Jimmy and I and our team has gotten better at it is because we hired you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well what I will say this, and that is so so vital is to have someone
0: who really is an expert at communicating and really good with words. But one of the things I would just encourage our listeners too as you hear all of this you may think okay that's fine for family church you got scripts you got all these campuses you have a communications director we don't have that but the thing of it is these principles would still work for a church of any size mm-hmm. if i was a pastor with no staff at all and no communications director i would sit down with someone else who i think is a good communicator and our maybe my wife maybe my son maybe my daughter whoever and i would script myself i still think developing
1: consistent common language for a church of any size It's crucial for developing culture. Well, I'm 51 years old. And, you know, if it's kind of, you know, obviously we can't go back and replay it. But, you know, one of the things that if I could go back, uh, you know, this idea of common language is so important. And one of the things I got caught up, I always thought I was having to come up with a new trick and a new, you know, statement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, really this idea of repetition and saying the same things, it it really does help you. And so, Leslie, why why don't you give us some examples of how this actually plays out our church?
2: Well, I mean, one example, Steve, has very much to do with what we've done with church planting. And as we've been more strategic and reaching out to our neighbors, and we've actually done some initiatives with our church, encouraging them to get to know Mm -hmm. people that live around them. Because as we've talked about turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. We started realizing people felt like they didn't have anybody to turn the conversation mm-hmm. to the gospel right. with because everybody they knew was already a Christian. Right. So we sure. started talking to people about get to know your neighbors, get to know the people that you work with, get mm-hmm. to know the people on the ball field. Eat with them. Yeah. Go yeah. we did, you know, meals with Jesus, go and eat with them. And as we started to talk about that, we developed this idea of, okay, we need to be the church out there. Right. So then we decided we were going to close all of our services with that phrase. We've been the church in here. Now let's go and be the church out there. And we've been doing that now for maybe two years. years, And you would think, like, are we going to get a new statement? Like, when are we going to get off of that? But one thing I've realized in communicating is just when I'm completely sick of saying something, somebody will say, oh, I get it. You think we should be the church out there? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, When did
1: we start doing that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking, Are you kidding me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. If I say
2: this statement again, I'm going to be sick, but they just heard it for the first time. Right. So
0: it is amazing how people do pick up on things, and it takes a long time to get common language actually kind of integrated into the DNA of your church. And Honestly, the one place where that can happen is from the pulpit. And that's why it's so vital that what is said from the platform is carefully thought through. And Steve, I want to echo what you said. It would be easy for us to get up there and think, okay, every week I need to do a creative way of asking for the offering. I would actually recommend you ask for the offering the exact same right. way every week, so much so that your regular attenders
1: could almost mouth the words and lip sync it mm-hmm. while you do it. Well, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because you think about our congregation when they're you know making fun of you or kind oh, of yeah. it, teasing you. It's They're quoting you on the things that we're always saying. That's right. Which Really, that's a victory for us because we're like, ah, it's sinking in.
0: That's exactly right. And same for, same for, like Leslie, you mentioned your next step. So at the end of your service, I would recommend that churches and pastors, whoever's doing the invitation, whatever kind of invitation you do, you do it almost exactly the same way every week because that's how people begin to learn what it is you're asking for from them and what it is you're saying to them because language really does create culture and language is best and most powerfully disseminated in a church. From the pulpit, from mm-hmm. the platform,
2: I it, thought about when we were thinking about talking about this, this is my little phrase I came up with. It takes a long time to get language from the pastor to the pulpit to the people yeah, that's so, exactly um, right, from I the like pastor the, the like to the pulpit to the people yeah, but good. it really does start with the heart of the pastor, so we're not trying to generate something that's fake or not that's not authentic it's things that are truly from your heart, from the hearts of our pastors you know, taken to the pulpit and then out to the people.
0: Yeah, another great example of that, Leslie, that you've really helped to shape is our offering script. So at every campus, we say basically the same thing Mm -hmm. in preparation for taking up the offering. So like one of the things that you've taught us to say, Leslie, is we say, hey, many of us have already given online. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't given online, this is your opportunity to give. And that's just one of the ways that we reinforce our desire for as many people as possible to be giving online because right. it's more consistent. It helps us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But that's just one little way we're able to coach our people about what we want them to do, not just at one campus, but at, at all of them. And mm-hmm. so thousands of people hear the same
1: thing every single week, even though different people are saying it. Right. Well, common language helps us really for our people to understand our ethos and really what is our badge of distinction. And, you know, when you think about keeping Family Church and our message on point, uh, we have a preaching meeting each week where we, we're trying to help all of our pastors preach to lead. And so we do that. We have scripts. What are, what are some other things that we're doing that would help? our listeners today? Honestly, Steve, I just think that the number one thing that we're
0: doing is we spend a lot of time together building relationship, building community. I mean, we really want our team to understand that we are all in this together. We're on a common mission. That's why we're focusing on using common language. That's why we drill it from the pulpit, all of our pulpits across the Family Church Network. But we want those messages to come from the heart. We don't just want them to be, we don't want the people on the platform to be actors reciting scripts. We want these to be leaders on mission, speaking from the heart in a careful, intentional way to get the message across. We want our pastors and our staff and our key leaders to know that it's their character and their heart Mm -hmm. that matters even more than their words. That's good. But if that's where your character and your heart is, then let's be Careful, let's be choosy, let's be intentional about the words that we're using. And and, you know, one of the things it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1 when it describes pastors is it talks about how crucial your family life is. Mm -hmm. And if you really read it, it kind of makes it really clear hey, look, if you're not leading well and admirably in the little house at your house, You're going to have a really difficult time leading well and admirably in the big house at the church because you know our family lives are crucial. Our personal walk with God is crucial in marriage and parenting and our personal walk with God because what happens in our home, it is the crucible on which our character is tested and it's the anvil in which our pastoral skills are forged and it's the proving ground where our pastoral skills are demonstrated so that other people can see them and say, hey, we actually think you might be a good leader in our church. And so part of leading is just being real. It's being authentic. Mm-hmm. It's coming from the heart. And then we use our messaging not to say something that's not true, but to skillfully and intentionally say something that is true about us and about our church. And that's how we try to shape our culture by preaching to lead and leading from the platform.
2: much I think you do a really good job of, Jimmy. I think all of our pastors do a really good job with this, just being real yeah. On the platform. And yes, you know, so honestly, when I read this passage about um, leaders and you read about the home and that your home is supposed to be in order, it can be a little bit daunting of to course. the average person. And so I think, you know, you've done a good job, you and Kristen. I mean, I've heard Kristen share about some of the struggles you've had with your kids. Oh, yeah. And, and we've had plenty. Yeah. We, <laughs> we all, all have. <laughs> we all have. Uh, well, the
0: three of us have shared plenty of struggles exactly. all the way around, wow. right? We've prayed and cried episode. and all of that. We'll, we, we'll yeah, do we that could another time. We'll do
2: a whole, uh, podcast on that one. Bottom
0: line is, we have a lot to be authentic could,
2: we about.
1: we do a whole season on that. <laughs> 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 well, but, look.
2: I mean, just being real about it and sharing that, you know, you are a person of character, you do lead your home well, but you, it's not perfect. And I think that that speaks to people because we all sit out there listening to pastors and think, well, maybe if my husband was a pastor, if I was a pastor, my house would be perfect too,
1: yeah. but our
2: houses aren't perfect. And yeah. so we wonder, but you know, to just to be real and authentic so that we all are on the same playing field, we're all in this together. And yeah. I think that's a real big part of preaching to lead.
1: Jimmy, when you think about our context, I mean, boy, we live around a lot of brokenness I mean, we, we live around a lot of people who we do. have struggles and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And, you know, I, I was just thinking about one of the scripts that you do on Sunday mornings when you say, hey, mm-hmm. come here, run through that. I think that would be that a classic good. example because yeah. you say that, you know, a lot and a lot of our yeah. people can quote it, but it's from your heart.
0: Well, I mean, almost every week, somewhere in the sermon, I'll say, look, at Family Church, we have all kinds of people here today. So we have every race. We have people whose accent sounds different. Our our skin color is different. We come from different places on the socioeconomic ladder. We live in different neighborhoods. Some of us are living together and we're not married. Some of us have been married a long time. Some of us have been married multiple times. Some of us wish we could get married. Some of us are glad we're not (laughs) married anymore. We got his kids and her kids and our kids, and we wish we could have kids. And all of us, some of us are gay and straight, and been Christians a long time. And some of us are atheists and irreligious and we're all sitting in here and we're all really in the same spot. We're mm-hmm. all broken people who need somebody to help put our lives back together. And that's what the gospel is for. So we say that all the time at we family, Church. and you're right. We some people it. can quote it. Oh yeah. But what's cool is when you say that you're sending a message to all of these people that we know that you're here.
1: Well, they know they can invite their neighbors. That's right. They know right. they can invite their, it, invite their son, right. invite their mom, yeah. all of that.
0: And that's one of the things that's important. Well, look, that's part of messaging, right? Okay. That's what we're talking about. That's how we build culture. And we could go on and on, but we're going to have to wrap it up. For today, as always, our listeners on Church for the Rest of Us, we hope you will visit us at FamilyChurchNetwork.com. Get our sample scripts. We'll share them with you. They're there in the show notes. And let us know how you and your church are keeping your messaging on point. Maybe we can learn something from you. Thank you so much for joining us at Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to church for the rest of us.